because there's more new people using Reddit than uh, experienced users who don't use Reddit, you end up with an input data bias. Then what happens with uh, large language models is they start hallucinating, going, I'm sure because, you know, 10,000 people in Reddit can't be wrong. Uh, (laughs) But it turns out 10,000 people in Reddit are all bad coders because the good coders basically aren't doing things on Reddit. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and great to have Sneaks Stephen Phillips back in the studio. How are you, Stephen? Very good. Nice to be here, Paul. Yeah, great to catch up again. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big wide world of tech and cyber security. Yep, I'm involved in the great big world of uh, cyber, uh, where my mission at the moment is to help uh, developers uh, build fast but stay secure. Good. Well, before we uh, jump into all the sort of exciting uh, happenings in the tech world, both here in New Zealand and and around the world, a big thank you, of course, to our show partners, to 1NZ, 2 Degrees, Spark, HP and Guerrilla Technology for uh, their support of uh, not only the New Zealand Tech Podcast, but the broader tech and, and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. So thank you, and let's jump in. First up on the local front, 1NZ. Are, uh, they've, I guess they've, they've made a bit of an acquisition uh, there with um, Dense Air, who have some some spectrum, which uh, you know, probably comes in uh, rather handy uh, for them being able to you know, give them a better capability in terms of uh, uh, when we when we look at that you know capacity uh, for five G mm. that looks like a pretty uh, a pretty handy uh, handy manoeuvre for them. Yep, having uh, having more spectrum is always always useful, uh, especially. If, if you can uh, use different parts of the spectrum to avoid that sort of uh, saturation capacity problem, um, because frequency reuse when you're right adjacent uh, becomes a problem. So more yeah. spectrum, more throughput, happier customers. Yeah, well, uh, you know what what we've what we've got is this uh, you know scenario in in New Zealand, you know, lots of other countries too, you know, where you've got uh, you know competing. Technologies and you know, especially for uh, you know companies you know like our, our mobile uh, providers here in New Zealand, who um, they you know to a degree they're competing with the fibre you know connectivity at, at a sort of wholesale level. Of course, you know they resell that connectivity, um, but if they can sell the entire connectivity uh, mm-hmm. to people for their their homes and uh, they've got enough um, you know spectrum, then they can deliver you know that 5g service direct to people's uh, homes uh, that's uh, that that works out as good business for them and you know obviously there's sort of that uh, that flexibility piece that uh, uh, that comes for some households and and not having their connection kind of uh, fixed whereas you know, I tend to generally think, you know, for your home connection, uh, you know, fibre is kind of, you know, your gold standard from a performance and reliability perspective. Um, but but actually, you know, there's 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 not really a one size fits all for every scenario. And uh, yeah, good business for them. And of course, uh, uh, having that mobile connectivity uh, at, at uh, uh, you know, plenty of bandwidth available for that is, is pretty handy, isn't it? 
Yeah, the high density urban areas where you've got a lot of um, you know, apartment living, um, things like sporting events is probably where the densification aspect and all sort of really comes in, into play because yep. you can give more bandwidth to um, you know more of the punters and, mm. and, and the mm. likes. Yeah. Whereas in a out in rural broadband sort of our world. Not so much. You don't. You don't need that much density. Mm. Yeah, I was at, at an event uh, last week in uh, in India with with SAP uh, conference they run called TechEd, um, which I'd only heard of TechEd uh, as associated with Microsoft, but it turns out uh, Microsoft started running their TechEd event in 1993 and finished it. I don't know how many years ago. Uh, now and I was thinking, oh, this must be some new thing for uh, for SAP. Uh, they started running their ticket event uh, only three years later, so over twenty five years yes, they they've been running it. Um, but we, we were at the, the the keynote, you know, was in a uh, I guess a large conference hall and thousands of people in there. And uh, there was supposed to be this Wi-Fi available to everybody. It wasn't, and I, I got told afterwards it was because the um, the Indian military were running an event next door and that they'd jammed the spectrum. I I did not verify that that was the case. It, that didn't seem to make too much sense to me. Um, because the mobile was actually the and the mobile network was actually you know. Operating just fine. Yeah, it was it was a bit slow with with thousands of people there and and you know uh, a few others, no doubt, sort of doing uploads or live streaming things and so on. But um, you know it is impressive how how far our mobile networks have come and just how good and flexible uh, that they are and the fact that you can take your new New Zealand mobile connection and go just about anywhere in the world and for not a lot of money you just operate as though you're at home. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, great great to have that um, that extra spectrum, you know, available, uh, I'm sure, for, for one NZ and their customers. Not necessarily how uh, how competitors might feel around the around that that situation and I guess we sometimes you know get into 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 a little bit of a debate around what is the right way to control okay. and and share uh, the spectrum around so we'll we'll see how that uh, plays out uh, now another uh, news sort of looking uh, looking locally there's been a bit of attention uh, given to the role of uh, facial recognition uh, systems here in in New Zealand and really you know media seems to be paying you know I think some some more attention to the role of of uh, facial recognition systems you know by you know government entities and and by private organizations but it, it definitely has has kicked up uh, you know, a, a chunk of attention in uh, in media coverage uh, in the you know, probably the last couple of days, uh, especially. But it is one of those topics that uh, that that keeps uh, coming up. And uh, looking at at some of the uh, the government use where they've got um, uh, you know work that that's that's been going on for their identity um, you know check system in terms of you know ver- verifying. Um, people online and uh, looking at stuff and some of the other you know media uh, reporting, they're, they're talking about uh, a system that's failing 45 uh, percent of uh, of the time in uh, in, in initial uh, instances and 
And, you know, that that in itself, of course, is, is quite a headline. Um, but there's a whole lot more sort of behind the scenes around, um, you know, weighing up the sort of, you know, the, the pros and cons of of using this type of technology. And, you know, especially when we, we consider... Um, you know that that governments, uh, you know, like any entity, are, are imperfect, and quite often in, end up having you know data breaches of one form uh, or another, uh, and can end up using data, you know, over the longer term for you know maybe quite different purposes than than you know what they're initially uh, put in, in place for. Uh, and and so we've seen sort of different uh, things going on, uh, you know, around the world in terms of legislation, haven't we? And um, it, you know, I think it's it's um, it's kind of a you know moving target in terms of what a what you know people are, are, are comfortable with as uh, you know from a sort of citizens' perspective, uh, and then you know what uh, what what governments in different countries are kind of willing to put. Around these things in terms of uh, legislation, and and then we drop into the mix systems, uh, you know, like what you know they're, they're talking about uh, here. That was information disclosed uh, from Internal Affairs um, under the Official Information Act around um, you know accuracy being poor um, and the accuracy being you know mm-hmm. even worse for for those who's. Uh, you know, who have got, um, you know, or particular, you know, uh, skin types and, and, and colours yeah, and so bias, on. Yeah. So so you end up with this, uh, yeah, even maybe, you know, more, more issues for, you know, certain groups of people. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a lag in the update of some of the more modern technology as well. Mm, mm. Certainly, you know, the passport sort of photos to passport sort of uh, scanner uh, that you have at the airport, those systems are still predicated on kind of like 2D type images and, yes. and the likes. And just how you have your head tilted obviously changes what uh, the you know dimensions between the points that, yes, the, that yeah, yeah. are trying to figure out. And, you know, you move slightly and, you know, your ears have gone on one side and things like that. And, you know, we, um, you know my daughter had a had an issue and all with, with that um, where it took you know, multiple times of submitting, so the failure rate is definitely you know poor. Mm, but as you mm. move to more video-based systems, um, and and you you know like you do on your phone and all now, you have to move your head around, That's so right. it can actually get the the things in three dimensions. Um, that gives you a lot better sort of levels of accuracy. But I I doubt that uh, the DIA has been able to actually adopt those technologies because it comes what's the uh, lowest common denominator basically of input device. So in a little bit of a bind there. And then with the data set being probably bigger to do that, how do you actually then, you know, protect that? And, and you know, the government is, through the NZISM, sort of putting a lot better protections and all around your biometric sort of markers. Is the information type s- two now. security yeah, uh, so, so, yeah. so they're having to actually be a lot more... Uh, controlled around how they store, how they transmit, how they receive and, and handle secrets management around that. So, um, yeah, definitely room for improvement. Can we can we can we trust um, you know can we trust governments to keep this data secure, or do we expect that you know, if someone has your biometric data at at some point, it it, it may well um, uh, you I, know I leak. think think if we can't uh, trust the government. To actually do that, uh, I think think we've got some other other problems. But uh, 
Yeah, uh, I think I think we do have to actually trust them in that that, that respect. Um, we just got to keep them accountable, basically, for making sure that they are following uh, the appropriate controls, and that's mm, a matter mm. of you know in, in investment and audits. Mm, mm, mm. Well, let's let's certainly hope that's uh, <laughs> that, that's the case. Um, I think it yeah, it's reasonably easy to be um, uh, you know sceptical when when. When, when we look at other areas where uh, you know uh, government entities have had had data that should be we should be able to trust with yeah. being kept secure yeah. and yeah. and uh, and 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 it hasn't been yeah. um, but look you know the the, the uh, you know the, the horse may have bolted on some of those past circumstances but I think mm. what what that has done is sort of you know made it very very clear to uh, yeah. to those in, in inappropriate places yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where we need to hold different teams to account entities to account and where we need to invest uh, you know sometimes uh, a lot more appropriate than we have done in the past right yeah yeah breach disclosure I think uh, needs to apply to the government and all as well right mm. you, know, mm. you shouldn't be able to sort of just like a you know a bank or another entity uh, should have to disclose basically their breaches. Uh, so should so should uh, government agencies. Yeah, yeah, that's a um, that's a great point. Yeah, when it's not national security related. Yes, look, there's uh, <laughs> you know we, we have a, a little uh, room for uh, privacy on uh, on on certain secrets, but uh, I, I guess there's a reality even there to a degree. If governments are holding information sort of too close, that maybe individuals within those fields sort of feel shouldn't be secret then we we will often we'll often see those sort of mm. insiders uh, leaking that information anyway right so uh, yeah. uh, for, for better or for for worse yeah. depending on you know where, where, where you are in the world but I think that you know there's a level to which governments do do get held to to account mm-hmm. and, and you know probably more so within uh, democratic countries where you know people feel hey I've got a I've got a right to do this um, mm-hmm. now uh, looking at a, a bunch of other things we want to delve into I guess first sort of uh, what I feel is a is a, a bit of a fail for Microsoft they've launched their uh, their co-pilot uh, for Microsoft 365 which they've touted online and you've been able to go and look at the demo videos for the last sort of seven seven months or so, and you know they kept telling us it was coming, and then yes, it's here uh, from first of November, and it's really only at launch time that they disclose that you've got to spend about 180k a year with them in in, in New Zealand dollar terms, or you know north of a hundred thousand US dollars uh, if you want access to that uh, that capability. Whoops. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, when we look at that from a New Zealand perspective, uh, yeah. that counts. You know, it counts out the very large majority of Just, of org- organisations yeah. that aren't going to be able to match their three hundred users uh, commitment. There's may, maybe a hundred hundred companies in New Zealand that <laughs> might take advantage of that. Maybe. Yeah, if the promise um, is uh, true. <laughs> yeah, so I I just saw that this you know that that's quite poor on Microsoft's part to you know not just be upfront and tell everybody that look if you can't you know if you can't release it then why make a big deal about it you know lots of people you know mm-hmm. talking about it and and looking forward to adopting and and testing out the technology and working out where it fits in 
and then only moments before they uh, they start <laughs> making it available, it becomes kind of broad knowledge that yeah. actually, sorry, Microsoft says uh, says no. So uh, um, come on, Microsoft, sort it out. And look, I'm sure I'm sure that world's probably you know it's probably not not too long down the track that uh, that they will they'll have the confidence or they'll get themselves sorted uh, and make that available you know a bit more broadly. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, yeah. Let's let's see how they go. And there's sort of two sides to that. Maybe, maybe the technology just stinks and isn't isn't very good. And they're sort of too ashamed to um, you know to to let it out for too many people. I'm not sure. Well, there's, uh, there's, there, you know, there's a few reasons that are possible in there. There's huge compute sort of uh, implications and all for doing that at that sort of scale as well. So, yes. Um, you know, may, maybe they hadn't quite sort of figured out what that looked like and needed to make sure, and they only found out late in the uh, in, in the sequence basically what the true costs were likely to be uh, given on different uptake sort of uh, scenarios. Yeah, so. and and there are there certainly are those sort of challenges with you know how quickly some of these things can uh, can scale. You know, we saw that with with uh, you know Chat GPT. Obviously, being a being a free offering, and mm. uh, that that you know there were varying kind of service outages and and, and so mm-hmm. on. Um, so yeah, uh, there's, there's there there might be some things there, but I don't think from what I've seen so far, um, there hasn't been a lot of sort of transparency just to you know to to give clarity for it, or you mm-hmm. know there certainly hasn't been a hey we're sorry we led you astray we said one thing and we're doing another. Uh, which, which is certainly how, at this point, that it, um, you know, I think it would it would come across uh, to to some at least. So, um, but that's all right. Um, you know, these companies can can uh, can can <laughs> can do what they like, can't they? Now, a few other things we can uh, we can delve into. Airbnb, I uh, I, I see have created a model. To to highlight uh, or to flag uh, users who were uh, or are likely booking a property to to throw a party, which I think is uh, interesting use of you know I guess the data they have uh, and and AI and from from one perspective is you know probably a, a helpful capability for for those who have a property on uh, on Airbnb we've certainly had the the stories of people who have had their their homes wrecked and trashed and and, mm. and so on yep. uh, and I think the general uh, thing with with Airbnb is that uh, yeah the use of um, uh, people's homes for for a party is it's not the use of the, uh, the the approved use of the platform. Um, so they look into a whole lot of variables, uh, things like whether the reservation is 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 very close to the birthday of the person uh, making the booking, um, whether the the guest lives lives nearby. So uh, you know, if you're booking a place just a few blocks from where you where you live, that's uh, that's probably not your usual uh, somebody going on holiday type of uh, type of pattern. You know, a, a large home 
you know, being booked for a single night, last minute bookings and, and you know, a, a range of, you know, a range of other factors. I mean, I think to be fair, you could, you could, you know, come up with something like this without AI, you know, you could yeah. probably come up with a reason Correct. sort of custom algorithm sort of pretty, pretty quickly that sort of creates a, uh, yeah. you know, creates a, a score and, um, you know, a, you know, generate some sort of flag or or alert uh, to you know to the to the uh, property owner. So yeah, all sorts of things they could be doing. You yeah. know, they could be doing inference from from that person to social media posts that are in the public domain, and mm, there's mm, all sorts mm. of things they could use to do it. But it's a, uh, uh, I think it's a good use case. <laughs> Yeah, and and um, you know there are these these you know these scenarios that um, that can work out really well. I guess it's sort of giving some thought to those who are maybe incorrectly kind of caught up. Yeah, making you know, sure there's caught a, up with it. So people process. So it's like, oh yeah. look, yeah, it's uh, yeah. you know it's my partner or spouse's um, birthday, it's our anniversary, it's this or that. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, you could see, oh, yeah, we're going, you know, there's yeah. been that that, well, that nice place down the road. We noticed it on Airbnb. Let's go yeah. and, you know, let's go and spend a night well, or two there and then you get uh, you get banned because of it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we've booked it for the in-laws who are arriving in basically from, and we don't have enough bedrooms at home, right? Yeah. Complete, completely viable. Mm. But mm. so long as you have a human in the loop process that's easy to use, no problem. So yeah, so there 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 are always sort of some some risks with uh, you know with some of these some of these things and things that that yeah might get you know inferred by the data that might be uh, yeah can complete another um, false positive rubbish. yeah yeah <laughs> um, so I think you know we definitely have to have to keep a watch. Um, we we spoke uh, a few a few weeks ago um, maybe a couple of weeks or so so back around. Um, uh, crews with their um, AVs, their autonomous uh, vehicles, and how they had made an announcement of the moving into into other countries because they've been mm-hmm. testing them in the US for some time, and it sort of caught my attention that the, their international announcement was made, but it was made as oh that'll be twenty twenty six when it you know when they're going to be going into these other markets, which to me was was really a a big sort of red flag of. Yeah, they can't be doing so well if it's going to take them another three years to to get into get into another market. Anyway, since that time, we've seen the um, uh, the California Department of Motor Vehicles uh, basically suspend cruises uh, deployment and driverless uh, testing uh, permanent uh, permits, and which is is basically ended their ability to actually operate in San Francisco at the current time. And then since then, that's pushed out uh, further, and they've stopped operations uh, across the United States. And this has been in in response to accidents that uh, that have that have taken place, and people being hit by the autonomous vehicles. Now, I haven't I haven't seen the data, but I think you know the reality is we move to autonomous vehicles. That doesn't mean that they're going to be completely you know accident free. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to have this kind of, you know, tenuous relationship, I think, with with autonomous vehicles over the, you know, over the years ahead, as uh, you know, the 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 technology, the artificial intelligence, and, and and machine learning research kind of goes on, because 
they're never going to be absolutely perfect, uh, and and any imperfection I think is going to be uh, uh, you know pounced on pounced on pretty quickly. Yeah, well, if you cast your mind back maybe six months, we had those hilarious videos where these cars were actually um, evading the police checks. So they would, you know, <laughs> stop and uh, parked, and then the police would go to check them, and they'd run. They'd drive off. So, that's so, right. so now, now, now they've completed the cycle, and they're doing hit and run now. So they're they're actually running into into passages. So. Um, I think it's a probably a limitation with the sensing, um, you know, the resolution of that. Like, are they using like lidar or that type of a technology? Yeah, I think they they use a mix of mm. sort of lidar and and uh, yeah. video cameras. You know, they've got a range of, of sensors, haven't they? Yeah, and and I think you know some other players in the in in, in this world have already, you know, dropped basically doing the lidar and having enough sensors so that in each sensor, if they uh, they you know, each uh, camera, mm, they're mm. able to identify that. Hang on, something's actually getting close to me. Uh, they can, and then with the you know, compute power and all sort of on board, and uh, say in you know Musk's uh, latest Teslas, mm. they'll be able to mitigate those problems a lot better. Right? And I think it's just a matter of it's a generational issue, and it's moving so fast that they don't have the compute power and the sensor power to actually do things well enough. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a it's a really interesting area because you kind of come to one conclusion, and then you know, a day or a week, a month, whatever, mm-hmm. a year passes, and yeah, you might reevaluate all your all your conclusions because you know they find they've hit a hit a sort of brick wall in one direction, or you know, or another, um, you know, with, with an aspect of the of the technology. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it, it was it was Musk that that said those that you were using lidars were on a on a fool's errand, um, and yet you know billions and billions of dollars have been thrown at yeah. that, uh, and and you know we we're, we're now sort of seeing okay, yeah, um, maybe yeah, maybe maybe he, maybe he is right. We'll we'll see how it, how how it plays out, uh, but yeah, quite um, you know quite. Worrying, you know, any time you see, uh, you know, these things handed over te- to technology and and there being a, you know, a a bad outcome. But um, you know, I haven't seen what the what the I haven't seen with this media coverage. Uh, you know what their actual sort of stats are from a from a safety perspective. But from the things that I've been following, they've you know they've driven. You know, millions and millions of of you know kilometers with very high you know rate of of, yeah. of safety. So maybe this is a bit of a, a bit of a knee jerk from the the DMV in in California, yeah. or maybe it's uh, it's absolutely the right move, and uh, they need to shut crews down permanently. Yeah. Well, you know, truck drivers drive millions of kilometers a year. You can't be expecting them to have even you know one accident really on average per year. So uh, I think think it's uh, uh, just the learnings not keeping up, mm, um, mm. and it's probably a system system problem, you know, system capacity problem. Yep. Uh, that they're not getting basically the the learning happening faster. Mm, mm, yep. mm. Yeah, we were talking earlier around you know New Zealand these identity checks from um, you know Department of Internal Affairs and and, and those issues, and the UK. There's there's movements going on in terms of yeah, facial recognition against shoplifters. So a big, uh, wide ranging initiative 
there, which I you know think will be an interesting one to follow because there are just so many, uh, so many you know cameras, and so you've got the the police um, and representatives of we've well, we got thirteen of the UK's biggest uh, retailers who have announced this retail crime action uh, plan and inviting retailers to submit uh, you know their video footage of shoplifting. Uh, incidents. So yeah, this is you know quite fascinating because you've got mm. a you know a range of of data sharing, and mm. you know I think we're seeing situations around the world where crime has got pretty out of hand in in you know one form or another. I mean San Francisco is a you know another place we've heard you know just absolutely rampant uh, you know crime uh, in recent times. You know we've certainly had our our dramas in New Zealand as well with with ram raids and and the like, uh, and so you know this you know really opens um, uh, a, 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 you know an interesting sort of window into the future. Is uh, you know does technology become the answer uh, to to all of these problems? Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Is this a- well, you know, the camera densities in all of New Zealand are way, way lower than they are in the UK. Yes, um, But, you know, we've got local startup companies like Aura in, in New Zealand mm. and, and, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, the retail sort of shoplift um, identification stuff, you know, going really well with partnerships with, you know, security firms with police and all in New Zealand and they're getting some great results. Uh, but, you know, in, in our market, you know, the privacy law is basically a little bit more lax than, say, in Australia. And I understand that in Australia, uh, they've run into some challenges with privacy law and all. So companies mm, that are more mm. forward thinking about uh, privacy law um, have checks and balances and all that, you know, maybe sometimes are actually being applied um, you know, too, too, too well um, mm, to mm. stop things like uh, shoplifting. Yep. Whereas... You know, in public space, like say, you know, train platforms and the likes, um, scene detection for people, you know, loitering, uh, causing, you know, damage, graffiti, all, all sorts of those types of crimes. I think that's a great use case because yes. that, that that's, uh, you know, something there. You know, the data is actually in you know public domain, and you're looking at some pretty strong signals mm. um, to identify whether you know someone's about to actually vandalise something on a train platform. I think that's that that's a good one, and, and those, pretty soon we'll be able to send a, a robocop there to uh, to you know to address the issue <laughs> and a robo tax. Oh no, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, I I think it's heading in the right directions. Mm. Uh, gen- generally, you know, Europe and the UK are pretty good at sort of you know adapting their privacy laws and the, and the likes. But uh, I think Australia's maybe just a little bit uh, too too precious at the moment. Um, you know, is is the downsides and all to it? Yes, but uh, will will it be addressed in a reasonable time period? I I think I think there's more good than bad mm, uh, mm. from some of these use cases for public safety. You know, yeah, very much a balancing act, and, and it's going to depend on different markets, right? You know, we we look at China, um, you know, and it seems like the broad consensus there is like, look, throw the cameras, throw the AI at at you know at these issues. They keep they're keeping us safe. Um, that, that you know, that's what we hear as the as the mm. as the general consensus. 
I think that we can be a, a little bit more sort of sceptical about big, big brother things within other markets. But, you know, we're going we're to have to let some of, some of these things sort of play out a little bit more. I think, you know, in other areas we maybe do need to be, you know, we need to be yeah. more cautious than yeah. probably current legislation yeah. reflects, right? Do, do the New Zealand police need more sort of assistance to, uh, you know, identify cause and, and, and these types of things? Absolutely. But... You know, we're we're in a democracy where if things have taken too far, basically we can actually have it, you know, go back in the other direction based on public opinion. Mm, in an mm. authoritarian sort of um, environment, not so much. Yeah, so can, that, that's just, where the they just go is. with it, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now today's really been a big, um, yeah, big, big day for uh, Open AI. Uh, you know they've they've you know they've really been uh, at the at the forefront you know for a number of years, but of course you know Chat GPT you know over the last uh, last year has really uh, you know caught the the attention I think of the world as far as uh, you know generative AI, and so yeah today is is kind of the the next piece in that journey. And they've they've made uh, you know one of their announcements is is letting anybody create um, their own what they're calling uh, GPTs, uh, their own version of of Chat GPT, and so you you know you can build this sort of you know what they're referring to as you know custom AI uh, agents, and and you know they, this has sort of been possible through you know different sort of software vendors and and from you know custom development. Uh, you know, perspective for you know for some time, even before ChatGPT, uh, you know, was was directly uh, available. But now that it's it's here, and you know, OpenAI, of course, have have you know continued to open up new capabilities. They've got their you know their image recognition uh, capabilities. You know, image you know generation with with uh, with Dali. Um, and and then they're uh, they've, they're sort of you know refreshing you know what's available to software developers uh, you know making uh, that more flexible in terms of sort of capacity of of you know inputs and outputs and so on uh, and and adjusting uh, the pricing to make it uh, you know but a bit more accessible to throw more at it. What's what's your view on on uh, on this? There's you know there's 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 some implications, aren't there, in, in different directions? But you know, with your with your security hat on, uh, I'm sure you've you've got some thoughts there. Yeah. Um, so having control over the the input data and the output, um, you know, validation basically. So you know, input validation, output validation, very very important uh, that you've got control because that that's where. Uh, using you know thing, even things like um, Code Copilot, say with Microsoft, mm, mm. if you train Code Copilot on Reddit, uh, which has got a bias say towards maybe new developers who are contributing code fragments and all there uh, that might be very insecure. Uh, because there's more new people using Reddit than uh, experienced users who yes. don't use Reddit, you yeah. end up with a bias, uh, input data bias. So. Then what happens with uh, large language models is is they start hallucinating, going, "I'm sure because some um, you know ten thousand people in Reddit can't be wrong," uh, <laughs> but it turns out ten thousand people in Reddit are all bad bad coders because the good coders basically aren't aren't doing things on Reddit. 
So you've got to be very careful with the biases um, for your input training data. And the, and this isn't uh, you know obviously mm. for coding you put in poor code then you, you know you you get all sorts of issues in terms yeah. of security and reliability of of the code. But if you're looking at you know, I don't know, um, using AI to, to write a speech for you, to give you legal advice, to, you know, mm. help you on the on the tech front, you know, all of those things, if you're if you're pulling in yeah. uh, data that is as weak or or um, you know incorrect to start with, correct, uh, then is is they start hallucinating, going, I'm sure because some um, you know ten thousand people in Reddit can't be wrong, uh, <laughs> but it turns out ten thousand people in Reddit are all bad bad coders because the good coders basically aren't aren't doing things on Reddit. So you've got to be very careful with the biases um, for your input training data. And the, and this isn't uh, you know obviously mm. for coding you put in poor code then you, you know you you get all sorts of issues in terms yeah. of security and reliability of of the code. But if you're looking at you yeah. know I don't know um, using AI to to write a speech for you to give you legal advice to you know mm. help you on the on the tech front you know all of those things if you're if you're pulling in yeah. uh, data that is is weak or or um, you know incorrect to start with correct uh, then you know you, you're just creating uh, a problem aren't you yeah and you've got you know the, the issue with prompt injection and prompt iterations uh, we've seen situations where uh, you 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 get one of these generative AIs basically to produce some code, and then you go, "Can you create a secure version for me?" And it'll create a secure version for you, and it'll absolutely you know swear black and blue that it's a it's a secure version. Yep. Um, and then then you test it with a with an actual you know, software like a static sort of a testing tool that's got some experts sort of. Um, you know, machine learning sort of algorithms where we've passed it by basically security experts and gone, uh, no, it's actually insecure. And then all you do is actually change the name of the function to something else. Different, yeah. And now it'll say, oh, it's insecure now. Or secure. Or it's secure now. Yeah. So just just, just on, based on that, uh, a word and, a relevant and the frequency of, of the, the word. Yeah. So the execution of the code and the logic of the code is insecure. Yeah. Uh, but just by changing the name of the of a function. Doesn't uh, make sense. And it's because large language models can't evaluate code execution. Mm, mm, they can only mm, mm. evaluate the frequency of where this is used and the context in which it's used. Um, so you... Whenever you're using these large language model models, you need to use them together with a expert trained system, mm, um, mm. preferably an expert trained system that uh, before it actually gives you output, uh, that that output is also checked or supervised. Um, um, supervised machine learning is the, is the technique we use at Sneak mm. for making sure that what we do offer, offer up to developers yep. um, is actually secure. Mm, so mm. by all means, use, you know, Code Copilot and the other generative code ones, but use them together with an expert system uh, that is actually guiding that as well. So you're not uh, just creating insecure code at higher volumes. And so that's really, to, to me, that's the big lesson for, you know, for all of us is, you know, I think we should all be, you know, putting on our futurist hats and, and imagining and thinking around how, you um, 
you know, AI, particularly generative AI, might, you know, help us and, and change things going forward. And so we should sort of be, you know, look looking out how's that going to impact our careers and and mm. and and our work. And but we should be applying, you know, the technology now to what we mm. do, learning, utilizing the technology where we can, but not just blindly trusting Correct. what it is that we get back. So, you know, it's exciting when OpenAI, you know, announce some new things that we can utilize and we should go in and utilize, but let's not put all our trust in yeah. the code it generates, the um, you know, the coaching guidance maybe it it, yeah. it gives us. And I saw some of the examples. Um, you know, they've got creative writing coach. Uh, where it can it can read your work, give you feedback to improve your skills. Uh, the laundry buddy, ask it anything about stains and settings on your washing machine and how to sort out your your laundry. It might have a particular bias, I'm guessing, based on the data to uh, the US, there being more mm -hmm. population and more content about that. So that might not work so well here. Uh, there's there's uh, one that they've highlighted to do with. Um, uh, game time that can explain, you know, board games or, or, or card mm -hmm. games and so on. Um, you know, even those things, you might take what, you know, what that platform gives you in terms of feedback and find it's irrelevant for how, you know, uh, how a particular game is, is played uh, in yeah. your, 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 your area or region and, and so on. So there's, there's all, all sorts there, um, but we need to make sure to, to actually, you know, Double double check everything, right? Trust but verify. I think we yeah. call it in the security yeah. game. And um, That's it. you know, yeah. can you trust uh, a generative AI that may have been trained basically on data from people that don't have experience? Mm, mm, I, I don't mm. think you can. You've really mm, got to always mm, have have mm. an expert in the loop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that, that's really good, uh, really good advice. A um, couple of other things just wanted to mention before we finish up. Uh, Europe has banned Meta from using personal data to target ads. This is a you know this is a really mm. uh, a really big deal. So yeah, I'm quite fascinated to see uh, to see you know how that. Uh, you know how that plays out because it's like, well, hold on, how does how does that work? That's that's the whole well, business, isn't it? Is is using our personal data it's uh, in, to, to to you know to to personalise and and target yeah. the advertising? Well, it's in breach basically of the GDPR because of the effectively the right to be forgotten if somebody's opted out. Basically, yes. that advertising data set's probably still using their data to target them, right? Mm, so, mm, um, mm. to make themselves compliant with GDPR, they're going to have to follow that. Mm. Um, Amazon have uh, released photos of their new uh, delivery drone uh, and the MK30 drone is apparently going to uh, help them expand uh, drone delivery options to, uh, to the United Kingdom and Italy and uh, to an additional American city uh, next year. So mm. it's been sort of slow but sure that we're seeing, uh, you know, we, we are seeing uh, drones, uh, you know, hold slowly, um, you know, take more and more sort of relevance when it comes to these things that, you know, probably were touted a decade or so ago that we were going to see drones flying around everywhere and, 
you know, dropping off our lattes to us and, you know, in, yeah. anything else that we on a whim decided that we want here in, uh, in a yeah. matter of seconds, but we, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to make any effort ourselves. There's just so many obstacles that you need to traverse, you know, whenever you're going around like a school zone, a hospital zone or other areas where, you know, data privacy basically is an issue. Yep. And, you know, how do, how do you know that somebody's not running basically, you know, a psychology sort of uh, service basically in the in the apartment next to you? Or, or <laughs> it's very difficult to actually address all of that. Mm. So Amazon's mm. going to – I think it's going to take a little while yet to, to actually get around all of those anomalies because those things are changing on a, you know, jurisdiction by jurisdiction basis all the time. Mm. Mm. And, you know, look, you know, some of the areas where we sort of expected that they, you know, the challenges we thought, um, you know, uh, would be figured out sort of quicker. Some of those things have, have taken longer. And, of course, when you actually try to do these things and, you know, for real, uh, you come across new new challenges that you, you hadn't predicted. Um, now, lastly, Microsoft have announced their uh, Secure Future uh, initiative. Yay! What are what are, what are your th- <laughs> your thoughts? It's probably not the sort of thing that uh, you know a lot of mainstream media are going to uh, pick pick up on, but it's actually quite a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think if you if you go back to the Secure Computing Initiative, probably a decade or so, you know, Microsoft had came to the realization after a little bit of public mm. outcry mm. they needed to change their operating systems uh, to be secure by default to mm. you know stop bad practices by default. So you didn't have to do anything to secure things yep. uh, by default. Whereas now we've got um, you know identity based services, cloud services. Uh, and 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 the likes basically that are following that same problem, mm. and they've realised now, you know, obviously with quite a lot of sort of uh, input and guidance from government and CISA and the likes in the US, uh, based on a number of um, you know large scale uh, data breaches involving Microsoft cloud infrastructure that they need to actually step up. So it's good to see that they're starting to do this, um, and there's a lot of work. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, consultants and all making a lot of money at the moment uh, from um, modifying and changing the out-of-the-box sort of experience for Microsoft identity and cloud-based services. And if you get it wrong, um, you know, these things are impacting, you know, tens of thousands, if not millions of, um, of you know, breaches. Absolutely. Of, and it'd be, mu- it'd be much better to be able to, you know, spend that focus on, on how to... Mm. You know, help organisations leverage technology more rather than having to put so much, you know, effort into into securing things that should be, you know, uh, more secure out of the box. I looked it up. Trustworthy computing uh, initiative from Microsoft uh, celebrated twenty years last year. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, that far so, back. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So they, they've they've you know they've been making moves for uh, for a long time, but uh, you know, good good to see them you know yeah. step stepping up uh, to the plate on. Uh, on this one, and uh, we'll look, yeah. look forward to what comes out of it. Absolutely, yeah, excellent. Well, it'd be really great to uh, great to catch up. Great to have you uh, back on New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, Stephen. Um, people want to want to track you down. Where's the best best place to to find you? Uh, p- probably on uh, LinkedIn. Just look for Stephen Phillips on uh, LinkedIn um, or Sneak, uh, which is spelt S N 
YK. So now you know. Yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for for joining us on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, of course, a big thank you to our show partners, Gorilla Technology, One uh, NZ, Two Degrees, Spark, and HP. And uh, we'll look forward to catching you all again next week on the next episode. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.